Thank you, madam. You guys have fun and mighty kids. Tall men. All right, would you please turn in your Bible to the book of Genesis, chapter 44. And this is a... Um, this is a, a rather an unusual message, uh, but I think that it's one that uh, is indicative of the time frame of the Lord wherein He has placed us. And it has to do with uh, this man, the Old Testament Joseph. Um, you remember the story of Joseph. Uh, you remember how that uh, his mother, he was... He was Jacob's son. His mother was uh, Rachel, and she was uh, the beautiful young lady that Jacob fell in love with. You know this story. And um, Rachel finally was able to, to bear a child, and it was Joseph. And his name is kind of an odd name because it means, if you look, it'll say God adds. But um, the derivation of that means that something will be given that will then quickly expand and you will not see that initial thing again. So really what Rachel was saying was God has finally broken through and um, this young man is a blessing but he's the first of many, or he will impact many. And whether she meant that I'm not going to have a whole bunch of kids, I don't know. But she had been restricted for so long. We've been talking about barrenness over the past few weeks um, that now finally it had broken open. And the second child that she had, which she died as a result of that childbearing, was the, the young man Benjamin, whose first name was Benoni, the first first pronouncement of his name, which meant the child of my sorrow, and then it became the child of my right hand because he became so close to Jacob. Now, there are probably many reasons why he became close to Jacob. Um, we can speak about them. Um, first of all, this was the child, was the last son, and we all know how babies in the family are as one. Um, but also his wife died as a result of giving birth, and that had to endear to him. He was getting older. He had this young one that really kind of it was more like a grandfather to the child, and that engenders certain feelings. Um, but also then, Joseph was taken away from him. We know that story about his brothers became jealous of him, and sold him into slavery and told his father that he had been ravaged by an animal. So that even more powerfully made Benoni, Benjamin, endeared to his father. And so Joseph, you know this story, but for those of you who've been asleep for the past 99% uh, of your life, <laughs> um, Joseph was sold into slavery. He then is used by God to interpret a dream that Pharaoh had and that um, uh, because of the interpretation of that dream regarding the, the, seven, the seven years of plenty and then the seven years of famine, 
Pharaoh made him second in command in the kingdom. We all know that story. So there is Joseph. And I, I wonder, we're going to read this scripture in just a minute because it does apply to where we are right now as individuals. So it's not only the word of God, which is the most important thing, which is always active, but this is a, this is a, a key word for where we are right now in our, in our move with God. Um, you think if Joseph was, was what he was, and he was basically ruling Egypt. Um, he even says in the Chronicle here that he didn't think that it, at any point it was anything unthinkable to just do whatever he wanted to do. Um, why didn't he go up to find his brethren? He could have done it easily, especially when the drought came. I mean, he, he, you know, he obviously loved his father, he missed his little brother because he was still around when Benjamin was, was born. You can read about it. Uh, why didn't he use his clout and the greatest power in the world to go and, and say, hey, Dad, you know, I just want to let you know that what was intended for evil, God turned to good, and I want to bless you. Um, that would have really been something that I might have thought about. I don't know about you, but I might have thought of that. But he did not do it. And so that is, that is something very interesting because you know he would have had to thought about this. When you read about the story of when his brothers come due to the drought, he loads them up, sends them back, and then makes them come back with Benjamin. Joseph is weeping. He has to separate himself from his brothers, and he goes into a side room and just weeps. And then he gets his composure and he comes back out. So you know Joseph was not was not separated from the family lineage. But in the timing of God, in the midst of his blessing, this story happens. And I, so I think that's the first thing, because Joseph could have taken advantage and made the time whatever he wanted it to be, with the power and the clout and the wealth and the, the okay with the signet ring of the most powerful man at that time on earth, Joseph could have done this if he wanted to, but he didn't do it. He waited for the timing of God. So that's important to see. The second thing is that um, I, I think that you see a scenario where God reunites his brethren with him you see a scenario where basically all of the civilized world was undergoing a climactic economic challenge. I mean, when they had drought, it didn't just mean that there wasn't toilet paper at the Tom Thumb. These people had nothing to eat, and people were dying. People were just withering away. And, and it, it's interesting that God provided for Joseph, and God, through the favor and the insight that the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Elohim that Joseph was manifesting, um, preserved him and subsequently blessed those who would align themselves with God. But um, the whole rest of the world was in, in turmoil. And um, I think that I think that we need to 
recognize that we're living in strange days. I think that's a simple thing to say. We're living in times that, you know, and I've, I've compared, at least in the histories that I've studied over the past several hundred years, things that have climactically touched the world, and there have been many that have been horrific. None of them had all the factors that we're facing today because some of the things that we face today were not available then. Some of the ways that technology and um, the, the unifying of the world, the quickness of being able to inter inter interact, none of those things were available until this time. And um, I think we can clearly see that we're, we're, we're almost like the frog in the, in, the, in the boiling water. One thing after another comes, and we don't really realize. We know things are happening, but we don't realize how far along the road we are toward um, things that the Bible has, has prophesied. Um, I think that it would be a good idea to recognize that uh, you, might not, you might want to be setting some things aside in wisdom. Don't become a miser, but in wisdom, set some things aside, uh, which is basically what God was saying to Joseph. He said, you see these things happening. I'm telling you it's going to happen. Well, start planning now. Start setting aside, and that gives you authority within the land. If Joseph hadn't said that, if Egypt hadn't done that, we wouldn't have this story today. So I think that the scenarios that we're facing around us right now we can find ourselves in our calling um, in, this, in this place. Of all the blessings that God has given us, you think about, and I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to read the Scripture. Don't think I've forgotten about it. Of all the blessings that God has given us, you know, we've been, we, we have been given wealth. We have been given food, spiritual food. We have been given the meat of the word, the bread of the word. And the nations that are hungry are being brought to us. Uh, you, we recognize that. God is doing it. And it's, there, there's more and more appeal from these other lands for us to provide, very similar to what we're seeing um, in, in this story. And, and I believe also that there are going to be heightened ways that God is going to be speaking that are, are going to further, in God's timetable, position our calling as saints to where people will recognize there's a dearth. We need this. We, we, it's not just that we want it or it's the latest flavor. We need this. And, and so we find ourselves with this. Now, one of, the, one of the essential callings that, um, that we share is that another way that we align ourselves with Joseph is that because, because of the way God was moving with us and because of what he was sharing and speaking with us, uh, to some degree, our brethren gave us the left foot of fellowship. And we were separated, and there's nothing we can do about it. You know, we're not forcing the issue, just like Joseph didn't force the issue, because that would seem like we're saying, hey, look what you guys did to us, you know? And the calling, the apostolic calling into 
the original Pentecostal visitations, those denominations, is still, is still there. Again, we're not trying. God said, I will make the appointments. I am not trying to do this. In fact, um, we're just trying to manage the wealth that God has given us and reach out to the places that are hungry. But in the midst of these trying times, there are things that are happening spiritual around the world that I know as well as I'm standing here, we've been given scriptural understandings of that a great portion of Christianity doesn't have. Now, that sounds pretentious. I, I'm not saying that for any reason. I'm just speaking to us. And, and the reason I'm speaking to us is that we need to come into alignment with what the Spirit is saying, and we need to prepare ourselves. How are we going to react? How are we going to respond? Now, Joseph did some really strange things here. I think he was having some fun. You know, his brothers, with the exception of Benjamin, they come down you know the story. We're not going to return. You can read it yourself. It's good reading. And he sends them back up, and he says, but if you come back down here again, you bring your youngest brother, or don't come at all. I'm not going to see you. Well, they go back up, and they talk to Jacob, and, and uh, all the food runs out, and they got to come back down. And so they say, Oh, you know what? We got to go back down there, but we're going to have to bring Benjamin. If we don't bring Benjamin, he's not going to see us. And so Jacob, with tears, says, "All right, send him." And that's where we come to here. Benjamin comes down. Um, Joseph prepares a feast for them in the middle of the day. They wash their feet. They treat them like royalty. And and Joseph is just weeping outside of their view, and. Um, then we come to chapter 44, and let's read these few verses. I don't remember how many verses I asked Scott to put up here, but we'll just read six. I think that's what I said. He commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. Put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest and his corn money. And he did, uh, <laughs> Eminem, did your dad ever send you out with corn money? Uh, that phrase just cracks me up. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their asses. And when they were gone out of the city and not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, Up, follow after them. Follow after the men. And when you dost overtake them, say unto them, Wherefore have you rewarded evil for good? Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth? You have done evil in so doing. And he overtook them, and he spoke unto him these same words. The title of this message is The Silver Cup. And we need to be really careful with what we say about this because this is one of these things that the enemy has twisted over, over the centuries. Um, to divine here is something that in its initial uses just spoke about somebody hearing from God. Laban spoke about watching how Jacob was blessed and he, was, he divined through his experiences with Joseph that with Jacob, that God was blessing him. Here, Joseph says this. You tell him that this silver cup that I'm putting into with the corn money, 
that that I divine with this. In fact, it, later on in this um, uh, this same chapter, Joseph says, "Hey, look." Don't you think, in verse 15, Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that you have done? What you not that such a man as I can certainly divine? And that word, if you look at it, if you look at it, was then later on in the Old Testament was a word that the soothsayers and the people that were serving the enemy used. And God said, If you're doing this with a demonic being, you need to kill that person or you need to ban it so that it never happens. But the initial use of it was this. And if you look at the, the, the original etymology of this word, it is to serve an authority and to glean what it is they're wanting. And then through that fellowship and that commune, you do it. That's what this word means. And Joseph openly is using this word. Now, what about cup? Let's talk about this from a number, a couple of standpoints. First of all, what does silver represent? We ought to all know. Silver is a lieutenant's color. It's in the scripture. It speaks about those who would receive a command and then they would represent that command from above, from someone in a greater authority. Now, some commentators say that silver represents knowledge and understanding. That's true. But knowledge and understanding of what? knowledge and understanding of what the leader, the, the appointed authority has said, and you represent that. It's very similar to that command ye me concerning my sons, concerning the work of my hands. Um, the command is not you just having power to go around, decree whatever you want. It's what God has said, and you're moving on behalf of that directive. So silver represent that. But what about cup? Do you realize that this is the same word that spoke about the golden candlestick. That, that little bulb, that, that little bowl upon which the fire burned. This is the same word. And so if you look that word up, you'll find that it's here and it's there. So that's very significant too. So Joseph has this silver cup, and he clearly says that he divines with it. Now, I don't for a moment think that meant that he was reading tea leaves or that he was, uh, he was swirling the wine around to see which part of that alcohol contact came down and then you read those lines. People do that today and they make money doing it. That's not what Joseph did. When he says this silver cup, that was a statement that because I have listened to God and have never abandoned my connection with Elohim, God speaks to me. It's because I obeyed what he said that my brothers tossed me out. It's because I obeyed what I said that God sprung me, what God said God sprung me out of prison. And it's because I, I heard from God and listened to him and divined what God was saying. And divine, how can you separate divine? That, that, that is the root of the Lord. Because of what I heard God said, it put me in a position of great authority in Egypt, and Pharaoh recognized that. And I would dare say that even though over these years we don't have indication of Joseph doing that similar kind of thing after the word to Pharaoh, he obviously was known for it because he says to his brothers, 
don't you think my reputation would have been sufficient that I would have been able to divine exactly what you're up to? Joseph was functioning in this kind of relationship with God. He knew that God was the one that was empowering him, and he spoke what God said. Now, I don't know what this silver cup really represented in person. I don't know how that meant. I think it probably meant that Joseph first of all, recognize the prophetic symbolism of all these things. And I think that when he, when he sat before God, he fellowshiped with God. And he made it a statement that he never forgot who he was. We need things like that, don't we? I have them in my life. I have things around my office. I have things in my happy place at home that signify significant moments that I've shared with God that remind me this was a covenant moment. This was a covenant moment. I don't worship those. They're not shrines, but they're reminders. And, and so I think that Joseph recognized what silver meant. I think that Joseph recognized what it meant to be in fellowship with God and to hear from him because the cup, let's talk about the cup from another way. I think that was a very important thing with Jesus, wasn't it? How many times in the Bible did he say, this cup, this cup, I'm not going to, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. He took the cup at the table of communion. The cup represented, and we've studied this, a mission from God. The cup represented God giving you a commandment and you fulfilling that. Look it up. That's what it says. And so this same thing was there, and I believe that Joseph this was not some magical item, you know, you know, he would fill it with whatever it was he drank, Welch's grape juice, and he'd look in and he'd see something, he's oh, like the Oracle at Delphi. I, that's not what this represented. It represented his relationship with God, his willingness to do what God said, his willingness to accept the cup of the mission, and his willingness to let that be his identity. And perhaps he kept that cup during the time where he had Pharaoh's signet ring and he had authority and power like none except for Pharaoh. Perhaps he kept that as a reminder, this ring is nothing. This fellowship with God is where the power is. And I think that when God continues to increase his calling in your life and the way he uses you, that that would be a good thing for us to remember. Where is the source of this power? What is, who is the source of this power? What is our identity that positions us to demonstrate this power? And so for, for Joseph, this was a significant thing. It wasn't some magical thing. Now, I know that the enemy took it and twisted it. The Bible even speaks about Balaam and his odd relationship with God. If any of you understand how God had that relationship with Balaam, God bless you. But Balaam got some of the most prolific visions from God about God's people and about God. God spoke to him, sent angels to him, caused a donkey to speak to him. I mean, Balaam was an odd character. He failed. He, he, he did things for money. God judged him for that. But yet God was speaking through him, and God divined through him. Same term. 
So I am not justifying soothsayers, witches, any of that thing, but I'm saying is the case with everything else that has meaning in the spirit realm, the enemy will try to twist it, the enemy will try to misuse it, the enemy will try to corrupt with it, and then subsequently there has to be rules against what the enemy is doing when the pure use of the thing is still vibrant because it's with God. So I don't want to go too far with this, but Joseph hides this thing in Benjamin's pack, in Benjamin's backpack with the corn money. Why is that? <laughs> Think about it. The whole reason I'm here is that the rest of you scallywags, brothers all, decided that you'd had enough of me and the giftings God gave me, so you sold me off. Benjamin now takes the place, and Joseph wasn't jealous of him, of what role he used to have with Jacob. So there's a prophetic significance to Joseph putting this in Benjamin's sack. And it's, it's just an interesting, it's such an interesting, peculiar story. But, but I think that, that for us, we need to remember, and this was said earlier, you know, Monica prophesied it, it was said uh, in, in just a powerful way that what, what are the things God has promised? In fact, Mark mentioned it also. What are the things God has promised to you? He's faithful to fulfill them. He, it may seem like he's taking his time doing it, but you're not suffering too much as he's waiting. You're still blessed. Wonderful things. Life-changing things are happening to you. Enjoy the moment in the Lord. But remember that God is faithful to his promise. How many years had this been? I'm sure you can figure it out. It's been many years since Joseph was sold off and rose into authority. The, the drought was already two years in, so that's at least nine years. With the seven years of plenty and then the two years of drought, it had been a while. But God fulfilled his promise. And Joseph made sure that the very thing that characterized him as a servant to the Father the very thing that caused his brothers to boot him out was the thing Joseph was in no uncertain terms saying, God has brought this back in motion, and from the youngest to the oldest, you are going to have to acknowledge this now. God has a way of making people do <laughs> what they should have been doing all along. You say amen? Sometimes it's like the, it's like the, the, the prodigal son who went off on his own. Some time after years had passed, that boy came back home hungry and said, look, I give up. I'll do whatever you said. I've sinned against heaven and before you. Make me as one of your servants. We're not trying to lord over anything. The chief thing is what that silver cup represents. What are we before the Lord? What has God called us to be? That is the thing that is going to bring restoration. Nothing else. Not the power of Egypt if Joseph had went beforehand, it would have been a spitting match. And his brothers would have have to acknowledge it. But they would probably have not been broken to the point where they would come back to God. Now, there are others. There, there's so many things in this story. At the, at the very end, Joseph is still, at the very end of this chapter, Judah comes and he starts interceding on behalf of Benjamin. Now, why Reuben and the, other, the older three didn't do it? Judah comes in. 
And there are some who say, well, this is a, you know, they say it with a holy tone, the organ music playing, this is a picture of Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that's probably there. But the point is, is that Judah is offering himself in the place of Benjamin. Take me instead of Benjamin, because if, if we all go back without Benjamin, our father is just going to keel over. He's going to die right there. And that's a significant thing, too. Because they didn't care about taking the father's favorite, the youngest child, many years ago. They didn't care about getting rid of him. But now Judah is intervening on the young boy that is the dearest one to his father's heart. You know, there's also a picture here of, uh, at the beginning, the older guys were jealous of that relationship. Now the older guys are saying, look, we don't want to do this to our father. We're humble. He loves this boy. We understand why. We're, we're Judah. We're Levi. We're, you know, we're Reuben. We're, we're not competing with anybody. We submit ourselves. See, there are so many pictures in this. And I'm not prophesying calamity on anybody, but look, if, if you don't see calamity around us, it'll do till the calamity comes. You know, I filled up my gas tank the other day. <laughs> I didn't know whether to say amen or ouch. I was looking for one of those Biden stickers that said, I did this. I, I used to carry those around, but I, I didn't have any friends. I, I ran out of them. But, you know, the point, though, is, is that things are going to get really unique, but God is going to be with us. And what is the most important thing in your life? What does Joseph mean? The one that God has added to that is going to be exponential in growth. What is our relationship with God? We're a communication center. We are intercessors. We interpret, which is the very things that God says his church should be doing. Is everybody doing it? i got to stop there because it sounds pretentious. But we know good and well that that's not the case. The most important thing we have is the spirit of Elohim through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that silver cup that represents our devotion to his purpose, our devotion to hearing and, and from him and representing him, our devotion to doing what he says and not taking matters into our own hands. Thank God Joseph did this in every way. Now, again, I, when, when he had that fancy coat, I would wonder whether he should have been saying to his brothers what he said. It eventually poured out, but in the way that the dream, those initial dreams were, but um, he probably should have used a little more discretion. But then again, he was innocent. He, he just didn't know that it was going to tick everybody off. Should have, but he didn't. But, you know, the point, though, is, is that Joseph was accused of horrible things. Accused of horrible things. Not only was he sold into slavery and his father was told that he was dead, probably got a letter from headquarters saying that he was dead, but, you know, that went on. But then he, he was serving and he was accused of horrific things when he was totally innocent. And then... God continued. Joseph didn't rebel against any of that. He kept his identity in God. 
And then, of course, the end of this story is the land of Goshen, which is, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. You know, there's there, I don't know if it's still on, but on, on online there was a program that was researching where Goshen actually was. And they found some things that testified to um, perhaps the time when Joseph and his family and the Hebrews were, were really prospering in that northern area. But you can look that up for yourself. It was really an interesting watch. But the thing, though, is that God brings great blessing. For how long? I don't know the exact number of years. But then a new Pharaoh rose who knew not the Pharaoh of Joseph, and then bondage and an attack began. And um, the people of God were really put into horrific slavery. Um, I, think, I think that I don't want to make too much of this, and I'm not assigning year totals, um, but, but what I'm saying is that God is moving us into a new measure of service to him. I don't know how it's all going to play out, but according to the timetable of God, the things that he has given us that are, have been impacting the world are very soon be going to become something that allows us to reach back into and fulfill the apostolic mission into legacy Pentecostal movements. I don't know how that's going to happen. I'm not trying to make it happen. I don't want to make it happen, but we need to be ready for it. And we also need to be ready to know that whatever the result of that is is going to be for a time, and then things are going to shift, and things are going to be thrown into chaos that is really clearly spoken of in the Scripture. Do you see this? So this business as a silver cup was something that uh, I thought, Lord, okay, I see this. To me, I enjoy this because it's a good teaching. It's not necessarily a Sunday morning message. You should be used to that. But I do believe the, the, the reason I was to bring this is, is like a clarion call that we need to be ready because God's about to do some things that we've believed for, that we know are going to happen even though we've been busy with what he's given us. We haven't just sat back and doted on these promises. We continue to move on what that silver cup represents. And if, if for no other reason, if you look at the, the, the use of that term cup, what, what more wonderful thing could we be than to fulfill the candlestick, to have the fire of the Spirit burning in that Samuel type of ministry where we are gleaning what God says in the heavens and we reflect that light. I mean, that's, you look at the term for cup and you find that that's the usage. That's it with this. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. That's our identity. We should never disparage that identity. I mean, Samuel, for all those years living with fat Eli and his, and his derelict sons, Samuel's job was to keep that light burning for all those years. And he probably did a bunch of other stuff that wasn't too pretty. Um, he, I think I, I appreciate those of you who do the tasks that aren't really pretty around here. Samuel had that job. And 
but then God caused him to rise up into something that would be a, a, a voice from the Lord to anoint kings and to set up in motion those who minister in the tabernacle. But all those years, having that identity of keeping that cup lit, that's amazing. That's where we are. And I know you can maybe get tired of that. You wonder, Lord, how long? Joseph, even in the midst of his blessing, wept under the anointing of the Lord at the, at the unity of his, of his brethren with, with him. So the silver cup, I mean, just the idea of it. Even now when I say this with divining, I know that there are some purists that would say, oh, but God rebuked that. God wouldn't let that happen. Um, it, it's crazy to me. I remember, I remember I wrote a booklet on dreams and visions. I, I remember because so many were having dreams and visions, and we were talking about we were talking about the fivefold calling, and we were talking about the gifts of Pentecost, and we were sharing everything from the Word, and we were saying, okay, what does this mean? Why does God bring dreams? Why does God bring visions? This was years and years ago, and I remember going to a uh, a meeting with other pastors that I was in charge of. I was the 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 head of that board of directors and they one of them had that booklet and i don't know how he got it he extended it over he said have you guys gone over into the new age and they're all just looking at me and i thought first of all we're not here to talk about that we're supposed to be deducing these things i've got an agenda of things i've got to bring before you brethren Secondly, how did you get this booklet? And thirdly, if you read that booklet, and it's just, if the one thing I've been accused of is lack of passion and just devoted to the Scripture, how can you look at that and think we've gone into the new age? And so for 30 minutes, we talked about the Scripture, and not one of them could say that what we were saying was not true. It was just the idea of speaking about spooky things like interpreting a dream. And these were the mainstays of major churches here in the Metroplex. That's just one example. You want to talk about the silver cup. We need to cherish what God has given us. We need to cherish the identity that God has put before you. God's blessing is on you. God's blessing is following you. God's promotion is with you. God's healing and His empowerment is surrounding you. We need to cherish that. But we also need to recognize that the enemy is trying to perfect. He, he doesn't have a relationship with God, but he, he has a lot of insights into the, into the spirit realm. He is trying to use these same godly, I will be like the most high principles in the dark realm. And there are many who have left to follow that. Does that keep us from serving God? Does that keep us from being what we're supposed to be? Just because, you know, somebody has a wreck down here at the corner. None of you are going to have it. Does that mean we all surrender our keys? So, well, I'm not driving anymore. I saw what happened down there. No. We drive by and we think, well, I can see what happened. This person ran the red light. We recognize how the rules of the road were disregarded. And tragedy happened, but that doesn't dissuade us from enjoying the blessing, the true walk. So we need to cherish the silver cup. 
And we need to cherish that identity that God has given and the unique placement that he's given us for the civilized world and, in some places, the uncivilized world. And that is only burgeoning and opening up. We've, how many times has this been prophesied? We're in this season. Breakthrough is here. Um, transition is upon us. And we've seen the fruits of it. The blessing of God is here. We have to remember when that happens that the reason it's happening is because we are lieutenants of the Most High God. We have, we have been blessed to share fellowship with Him at His throne. He has tried with every effort of the Spirit and the Word to train us and continues to do so so that we can hear His voice and represent His light in a world that's darkness and gross darkness. But that is the thing that will bring, to some degree, the restoration that God has promised. The very thing that caused us to be rejected is the thing through God that he's going to use to restore. But I don't know what all else this means. I just know that this rather peculiar scripture um, is, is a, I knew, I, I, we say rhema word too often, but there's a lot of these, there are a lot of these rhema words recently. Um, it's, there's an excitement in the spirit, and even in prayer last night, I think it was three in the morning, I thought it was time to get up, and when I saw it was three, I thought, okay, Lord, it's Sunday. Can I go back to sleep? And thank God he let me. But there was, there was a discussion going on and there were a lot of scriptures being spoken from a lot of different voices, but it was, it was like ex, it was an excitement. I don't want to say an agitation because that indicates that people were that the that the angels or whoever was speaking this. It may have just been the word itself speaking because the word is alive. It's the Lord. But but I think that we're in a moment where lots of scriptures are are being fulfilled. And there's a triumph in it. There's a rejoicing in the heaven that the word is being fulfilled. And, and that was one of the most, it was like a hailstorm of words, scriptures. And I thought, thank you, Lord. This is, this is amazing. I, 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 the, 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 I came away with it. There were so many of them with the fact that God intends to fulfill his word scripturally and whatever he's spoken to you. And so, I believe that this is a word that is for us today as breakthrough is coming and God has waited for the timing. He has specifically, specifically held things back for his timing. I think that we're in one of those Asera moments, that, that solemn assembly, and, and, but the breakthrough is about, to, uh, is about to be known in ways that are phenomenal. Um, but but this silver cup business, uh, and if anybody cannot see that here in the scripture, that this is what King James himself empowered to be translated, uh, we'll we'll pray for you that the Lord will open your eyes. But this is the way God moved through Joseph. This is the way God moves through His candlestick, and this is what our identity is to be servants of the Most High, in fellowship with Him, embracing the cup of His service, letting the light of the Lord guide us and letting us represent what God is wanting to do throughout the earth in partnership with the angelic and in alignment with our Lord. That's the cup. 
And that's what we are to be. And that's what Joseph cherished. His servants knew this. And that's what he hid in Benjamin's pack. I think that's very interesting. He didn't hide it in Levi's pack, even though we love Levi. Levi's got a lot of stuff in his pack. He's, he's a substantial pack bear. We need to hire a little mule to, to travel around with him. But, you know, he didn't hide it in Judah's pack. He didn't hide it in, in any of the others but that young one. And this is God's message for us. So I speak life and vitality into all of you. Be encouraged. In the midst of whatever's happening in the world, God is with you. He, he is, I know the plans I have for you, plans to bless you and do you good. That's God's word. And I release that over all of you. And um, be encouraged. Don't surrender that unique identity that God has labored to, to bring to life in your existence because it's from him. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. And um, we just want to, once again, acknowledge the great honor that we have in welcoming your presence, or better, better said, that your presence welcomes us. Thank you for the unique calling you've given to us. Help us to fulfill that in obedience to you. Help us to walk in your timing to a greater degree than we ever have. And thank you that we are truly going forth as lightning, as your arrows, as your sons, to empower the place where your cross is being established around the world. Help us to fulfill that. We're willing, Lord. Here we are. Send us. And again, I speak blessing over our congregation here, those that are aligned with this house, the Saints Network family and their churches and the prayer groups and the individuals, bless them abundantly today and make us ready for what you have in store. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless all of you. It's been a good day thus far. Uh, and again, if you, you go up those stairs wear your shoes. But it's just interesting to see. It's just very interesting to see. God bless you. Adios.